Welcome to Rejuvenaging with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is the podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenaging the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. Website is The Mental Health Gym. That's www.thementalhealthgym.com. It's your source of information about positive psychology, goal-achieving psychology, and rejuvenating. And we're always happy to have visitors to the website. Now, as those of you who listen regularly to the podcast know, most of our episodes are devoted to bringing you someone who lives their own life enthusiastically and has the ability to help each of us gain from their experiences, their knowledge and expertise in order to help us each live our lives more enthusiastically in a more healthful manner and to maximize and become the best versions of ourselves. Today's guest is especially good at that, both in terms of the way she leads her own life and her area of expertise. Dr. Kathy Groover has graced stages on four continents. She's given two TEDx talks, which is one more than I've given. She's given talks on three cruise ships and a handful of islands. Her combination of humor, performance background, and real-life experience and formal education make her a well-rounded, in-demand speaker. She hosted the TV show based on her first book, The Alternative Medicine Cabinet, and has earned her PhD in natural health. Dr. Groover is the 12-time award-winning author of seven books, including Conquer Your Stress, Workplace Wellness, Conquer Your Stress at Work, and Journey of Healing. She has studied mind-body medicine at the famed Benson Henry Institute for Mind-Body Medicine at Harvard University. And she has been featured as an expert in numerous publications, including Glamour, Fitness, Time, WebMD, Prevention, Huffington Post, and Dr. Oz's The Good Life. She has appeared on over 250 radio and TV shows, and so we're especially happy that she's adding ours to her long list of such appearances. In 2015, she had the privilege of creating a stress reduction program for the U.S. military and has been studying psychology and human behavior for her entire life. Kathy is a coach, hypnotherapist, and massage therapist, and also the co-host of the new Fire and Earth podcast. And probably the most interesting thing on the resume, well, everything's interesting, but one that we'll have to follow up on is for fun and stress relief, Kathy does hip hop and flying trapeze, obviously a, a non-stressful activity. Anyway, that's a very impressive resume. I'm so happy to have you with us, Kathy. Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my honor to be here. Yeah, well, it's certainly our honor. And, you know, with this impressive resume, I frequently want to know how people got to be who they are. You know, most of us 
have challenges meeting, you know, one small fraction of some of the things that you've accomplished. Did you, you set out to be world famous like this? And uh, tell us a little bit about your journey to being Dr. Kathy Groover. Yeah, well, I actually did set out to be world famous, but I was an actress. So I thought, I figured I'd be on stage and I figured I'd be doing radio and TV and writing things, but I never ever thought it would be like this. I just followed the breadcrumbs to being here. I think it was a combination of the fact that I was a performer. So all of this came very naturally to me. I'm very type A. I'm very driven. So if I want something, I go for it. I'm kind of that overachiever. Like I do too many, probably too many things only child. So my father was very competitive, wanted a boy, got me. And so just, I think it was a combination of how I shot out of the womb. And also the fact that I just, I see things and I want to do it. I'm a lifelong learner. I don't think there's much that I would say no to. And so I just let life unfold in front of me and started out as a massage therapist running concurrently with the acting thing. And when the acting thing stopped, the massage kept going. And so I started doing more with the massage and Reiki and now I do hypnotherapy and coaching and it's been fascinating and it's so funny because I sit back and I hear people read that bio and I think oh my god like sometimes I forget it's me <laughs> and I think wow that's really a lot of oh that's me oh geez okay yeah I, I don't know what the next phase is either I mean it's like I just keep I just keep doing the next thing so I'm not quite sure what's next. With all this stuff going on What's a typical day look like for you? What what do you do on a, on a regular basis? Yeah, it's a little different right now because, you know, I'm basically unemployed from this whole COVID thing, but let's pretend that's not happening. I typically do computer work in the mornings. So I'll get up and I'll respond to radio shows or I'll do podcasts like this, work on my book, work on any writing that I need to do, deal with client bookings and things like that. And then I head to my office where I typically am either doing hypnotherapy or coaching or massage, some combination thereof. I do dance class at night. It's pretty rare that I see clients at night anymore. I might be doing a webinar or something like that for a group of people. And then the opposite part of my life is the travel and the speaking. So I might be you know, jetting off to somewhere to check into the airport just in time to check in for my flight home and travel all over the world speaking and educating and doing workshops and things like that. So yeah, it's, I never know what I'm doing on a, on a minute to minute basis. It's kind of funny. People say, what's your day look like? It's like, which day? <laughs> and I love that. I love the fact that it's so varied. And it's also so weird right now because I'm not doing any of those things. I can still do some hypnosis and coaching, but for the most part, I'm sitting in my house with my boyfriend playing Dungeons and Dragons and reading magazines and fiddling online. So it's, it's a very different life right now for me. Well, as obviously you never studied or planned to be in this situation, number one, how are you handling it just generally? And number two, what advice can you give to all the rest of us who, you know, didn't plan to be in this situation? And while some of us are fortunate enough to be able to continue working and so on, with others, there are other challenges such as either they themselves being ill or knowing someone who does, and in some cases, either losing their job or not knowing whether it's going to come in the future. How should people handle both the ambiguity of the situation as well as just the limitations imposed by it? Yeah, you know, this is a really tough one. And right before sort of the country locks down, I had one last talk to give. I was booked to go to Houston. And it was sort of when everything was shutting down. I was a little leery about going because I didn't want to travel. My boyfriend was like, oh my God, don't touch anything. And the woman said, are you going to address COVID in your talk? It was a talk on stress. And I said, well, no. I said, it's the same stress as every other stress. 
And then the more I thought about it, I realized it's actually not the same as every other stress. Most of our stress is that perception that we're not going to be able to handle things. It's not a real threat. It's a perceived threat. Well, the problem with this is it's actually both. It's a perceived threat in that what if, what if I get sick? What if my business fails? What if, but it's also that real threat of I could get sick. So I think this is kind of hitting us from a lot of sides that we've never experienced before. And the fact that no one has lived through this before, we don't know what the end looks like. We don't know when the end is coming. We're more comfortable with things when we know there's a finite finish to things. And so this is, I think, hitting us on sides that we've never experienced before. How I'm handling it depends on what time of day it is. <laughs> it was really upsetting at first. You know, I thought I've worked so hard to build up my speaking career and I watched it basically just drizzle out and fall away. And I don't know how much of it's going to come back. So that's a little scary for me. It's like I've built up, you know, doing so many years of free gigs to get referrals, to get really now nicely paid keynotes. And those nicely paid keynotes are gone. And I don't know if they'll come back. So the referrals that I would have had from this year for next year, of course, don't exist because there is no this year. So I don't know. There's a lot of up in the air about that. It's, I do find that a little scary. I know my massage hypnosis and coaching is going to come back. I'm not actually worried about that. And to be very honest, I'm kind of liking laying around the house with a boyfriend playing Pokemon and Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so there's kind of part of it. It's like, don't open too fast. Don't open too fast. I'm enjoying my, my forced vacation time because being so type A, I'm constantly doing something. And I thought I would actually take advantage of this time to write my next book and do all my LinkedIn stuff. And I have not done it. And we're many weeks in <laughs> at this point, I think 67 days of the stay-at-home order. And I've not done most of those things on the to-do list. And I'm okay with that. So I think it's about accepting this present moment, trying not to project into a negative future as we're so good at. But I think it's really just about staying present and just being in this moment and enjoying what we can in this moment. Uh, that's really, really good advice. I think that, you know, the reality is that, I mean, we're in in order to make ourselves safer. And I think it becomes important to try and see what other positives we can gain in the situation, including the fact that, hey, maybe uh, it's not all that bad to be doing nothing at some point or to not always be doing something or having a deadline. I think what you've also said should give a lot of hope to a lot of people because if somebody has speaking engagements, that's a significant part of income. And I think that, you know, the reality is that, that some of those may not come back. Some people are learning how to live with virtual meetings, which may or may not replace actual meetings. But the fact that you're able to convey that you're okay with it, I think is, is great role modeling for other people. Now, I know one of the areas that you have worked in quite a bit is the matter of stress reduction and stress management. And stress is one of those words that everybody has a definition for and everybody feels a certain amount of stress in different ways. From a practical standpoint, is a certain amount of stress a good thing? Is it something to be avoided? When we talk about managing stress, what does managing it mean? Again, stress is such a big topic, but you hear a whole lot about it. It's been kind of exacerbated by the pandemic and all the changes we've had to deal with and some of the worries about the future. Can you give us around the area of stress once you define it for us? 
Yeah, the true definition of stress is a threat, real or imagined, and the perception that demands are going to exceed our resources. So it's that feeling that something's bigger than what we can handle. And what's interesting about stress is unless it's truly the bear chasing you down the street thing, most of our stress is perceived. You know, when the boss on a Friday afternoon says, I want to see you first thing Monday morning, we spend the weekend ruminating about that. What does, what does she want? Did she find out I'm stealing post-its? Am I going to get fired? Did she see I'm not getting my TPT reports in time? We're going to create the stress around that incident. So I encourage people to ask the question, is this fight or flight worthy? Is this truly a threat that I need to mount this gigantic physiological response to? And often it's not. So sometimes if we look at it as a perception, we can change it a little bit. Some stress we can manage. We can certainly you know, decrease our schedule. We can say no to more things. But for the most part, all of that external stress is not something that we have control over. What we do have control over are our thoughts about it and our responses or reactions to it. This is why the pandemic is a little bit different because it is a real threat, but it's also a perceived threat. So to the extent that we can staying, again, in this present moment and not what ifing into the future is going to benefit us. We have the ability to drive ourselves crazy in our own mind. We've certainly all done that. I think some stress is good. You know, like I said, I do flying trapeze. A lot of people would find that stressful. I don't. I think it's relaxing and it's actually a, a great mindfulness practice. So stress, again, being that perception is we all have a different idea of what is stressful and what's not. And we all have a different way of handling our stress. So it's important to have respect for what other people deem stressful So often we don't, we think, why are they upset about that? Well, it's their brain, not ours. So we have to be a little bit patient with other people and things, especially right now with things about masks and, you know, staying home and partying on the beach. And, you know, there's a lot of divergent views that are continuing to come out on this. So I think it's important to just stay true to ourselves in that, but also still respect other people's views on that. Yeah, there's something called eustress, which is good stress. You know, without physical stress, our muscles don't grow. We have to have that challenge. So yeah, I mean, you can look at stress in any different number of ways, but to me, the best advice is to just stay present, to try to manage the stress as much as you can, but definitely control your thoughts and your reactions about it. Sort of the key. Yeah, that sounds like really tremendous advice that if we can just stay present, that many of the things we worry about are things that aren't current stressors, but are the perceived ones. And I think if we can really sort out that, I know it's it requires a new way of thinking and being able to, you know, interrupt the thoughts when you're perceiving stress and being able to get back to the present. But I assume that's a big part of what you teach others as, as you do your work. Yeah, absolutely. And it's true. It's, it's staying present is tough mm-hmm. and not following those dragons of thoughts into the next thing because it's thinking those thoughts that give us identity. If we stop thinking, then to our selves, we stop existing. And that's, you know, our, our ego doesn't like that. It likes to be the driver of that car. So staying present is, you know, is through meditation or breath work or exercise or a mindfulness practice. Kids are so present. They can get lost in a stick to the point where that you're standing over them saying their name and they're just not even hearing you because they're so engrossed in this activity that they're doing. They're finding the being through the doing, to quote Eckhart Tolle. And as, you know, especially adult humans, we're so into the doing look at my to-do list, that we kind of forget that being aspect of it. So that's definitely one thing I'm working on more during this home time is how can I work on the being more than the doing? And it's a challenge, especially for this type A Capricorn person that you're talking to right now. (laughs) 
I hope you're very successful with that. I know a lot of us are having to learn some new behaviors at this time. But it sounds like in addition to like flying trapeze and stuff, it sounds like you have had a mindfulness practice and that, I mean, just the very nature of some of your work with massage and hypnotherapy, it sounds like it's not like the only way to relieve stress or to deal with free time is to be active. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about how you balance that stuff in your own life? Because my wife and I have been accused of not relaxing because on vac- vacations when we could, we'd go to areas for sightseeing as opposed to mm-hmm. lying on a beach, which we find, you know, the way to, to spend vacation time. But you've done it even more intensely than, than we do. First of all, I don't know how anybody starts getting into flying trapeze, but also how do you balance your activity level, your high activity level with what's going on in terms of, you know, mindfulness practice and so on? Well, to me, anything can be a mindfulness practice. You can do the dishes mindfully and make it a mindfulness practice. Mindfulness doesn't necessarily have to be laying by the pool or sitting on the pillow and meditating. Certainly one way to do it, but, you know, you can pet the cat mindfully. You can be with your spouse mindfully. You can do gazing, which my boyfriend and I do quite frequently because it's just another way to connect to each other. I think it's just about being present with whatever you're doing. And like I said, finding the being in the doing. When I travel, I want to squeeze as much in as I can. I mean, I will see every sightseeing thing that I want to, that I can in Rome or wherever I'm traveling to. I remember actually, I just saw the Facebook memories popped up of my trip to Rome. I was speaking there at a conference and took a couple extra days and man, I jammed it in, but I was present at every single place I was. So even though I ran around to what it looked like a crazy person, I was present in that craziness, which you know, kind of sounds like a dichotomy, but that's sort of the way to do it. And I do meditate every day. Sometimes I plop on the pillow and actually do formal meditation. Sometimes I just do the mini meditation, which I was doing actually as you were introducing me, because it brings us back to present. It makes our cognitive function better, our communication better, our brains work better when we're present after meditation. So yeah, as you were introducing me, I was doing a little meditation, which if you were looking at me, nobody could even see that I was doing. So it's a matter of just taking those opportunities when they come up to grab onto that presence and hang on to it. That's really great advice for other people too, to to recognize you don't need 30 or 45 minutes to do formal meditation, that you, you find opportunities to do it and that can become a real part of your life. Because I think many people tend to resist it, saying, I can't relax. Not recognizing that, hey, everybody does relax for at least short periods of time. And those are times when we can catch the moment and do some meditation. I'm going to ask a very general question, just because I don't know how to ask it specifically. But you have had extensive study in the mind-body connection. And we hear a lot about it. But from somebody who's a practitioner of mind-body work, what should the rest of us kind of know about the connection between mind and body and how we maximize, uh, you know, being the best version of ourselves by thinking about that? Yeah. Oh, I love that question. Thank you. I think we forget that our thoughts affect our physiology and that 
everything that's running through our brain and all those things that we're feeling is going to affect our physiology as well. And we have all these phrases that we use, you know, you're a pain in the neck, you're a pain in the butt, I can't stomach this, the weight of the world's on my shoulders, I'm feeling spineless, I can't get a grip, I let things go, you know, my hands are full, all these kind of things. And those are prime examples of that mind-body connection. And in my massage practice and in my family and in my personal life, I have seen so many times that somebody has this strong emotion that they're kind of stuffing that is coming out physically. Now, I'm not saying we cause our own illness. I would never say that. I've heard doctors blame patients for causing their own cancer. That's, that's a horrible thing to say. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that if we're not dealing with those emotions, if we're stuffing those feelings, at some point, they're going to want to come out. And just like the little kid in the grocery store yanking on mom's skirt, mom, 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 mom. Eventually, if she's not getting attention, she's going to rip things off shelves to get mom's attention. And I think pretty sure that's what our emotions do too. If we keep stuffing something that we need to be dealing with, it's going to come out one way or another. And I've seen it in my own life with back problems or headaches or nausea or twisted ankles or, you know, all these things that are these little annoyances or big annoyances. I think a lot of it comes from not truly being in touch with our emotions and our feelings about things. So I would encourage you if you're having a physical thing see if there's an emotion tied to it. See if there's a situation that brought that up. What were you thinking about when that happened? Or look at a book like Louise Hay, who has these great emotional physiological connections. I love her stuff. Sorry, she's not with us anymore, but she was the pioneer of that. Her little blue book back in what I think the early 80s, where she saw all those connections between the mind and the body. But also, I mean, we've all had situations where we've worked ourselves up into being sick. Kids are great at that. I mean, like, like nauseous kind of sick, not like big sick. So it's pretty clear that there's a connection there. And they've done so many studies with like fMRI and things like that, where they're showing this mind-body connection and how we can be a fuller person and then have better health. And we forget that health is not an absence of disease. It's about mental health and emotional health and sexual health and financial health we often don't think about those. We think, you know, if we don't have a diagnostic code at our doctor, we're healthy. And that's not always true. It's about balance in all of those things. So yeah, I think, I think that mind-body connection, it's about the dash between the mind and the body and how they're connected. And I think by thinking about, not even by thinking about, but by experiencing what our feelings are doing to us, we can get a little bit deeper into our bodies. Great. And I think, fortunately, I mean, it's not happening quickly enough, but I think both in my field of psychology and the field of medicine, there is growing number of practitioners who are going beyond, say, getting you past the disease stage and into neutral, but to actually move toward thriving and wellness and moving forward. Again, we've got a ways to go, and I think uh, that's not just true for people who practice in the field, but for patients themselves. In that regard, I wonder if there are some practical steps that, that you recommend relative to, to specific behaviors, whether it be exercise, diet, supplements. I, I don't know what specific advice you may have in those areas. Yeah, well, I think the first one is we have to know ourselves. You know, if we rent a car, we walk around that car and we look for every little scratch and every little ding because we're not paying for that. So we actually take better care of our rental cars than we do our bodies. So often people have no idea what's happening in their own body, and their own mind. So all the client come in, I'll say, how are you feeling today? And they go, I don't know. Was anything hurt? I don't know. How's that neck feeling? I don't know. And they have no idea. And then they expect me to, quote, fit, you know, fix me, 
It's like, well, okay, one, I can't fix you. And two, that's, you know, that's not my job. You need to know what's happening in your body. So I think we need to sit with ourselves a little bit, look in the mirror and actually look at ourselves, do a scan every day of how are we feeling? So often, you know, we'll say, oh, my shoulder hurts. Well, when did that start? I, I don't know, a week, a month, a year. You know, we're not aware of ourselves and we can't fix things and we can't move forward if we're not even aware that there's an issue there. So I think that's the first thing. I'm a huge fan of multivitamins. I think we should all be taking a multivitamin. No matter how good your diet is, I think because our soils are depleted and all the sprays and the blah, 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 I think we need to be taking a really good multivitamin. I'm a huge fan of magnesium. Magnesium is good for so many things. Sleep, mood, heart health, bowel health, cramps like menstrual cramps and migraine headaches and things like that. So I'm a huge fan of magnesium. Drink more water. I'm guilty of that. I don't drink nearly enough water. And move your body, whatever that looks like to you. It doesn't have to be going to the gym. It doesn't have to be going for a run. But we've got to move our bodies. We are not meant to be sedentary. So yeah, those are just sort of the basics for me of just know yourself and know how you feel. Write it down if you need to. There's some great journals that actually have spaces for every day you can write how you're feeling and if anything hurts and what you've taken and what you're eating and what the weather's like. And I think that's one of the best ways to know ourselves is to, to keep sort of a diary about it. It helps us and it helps other people help us. Now that's wonderful advice. And I'd like to ask you about kind of a specific subgroup of listeners, although Happily, our podcast covers a broad range of age ranges. Because my book emphasized growing older with enthusiasm, we have a certain percentage of people who are in their second half century of life, and some of whom, you know, didn't prepare all that well for it. Others have. But I'm wondering, aside from the things that you've said, which has, you know, very good general principles, I think, for everybody, anything specific that you would add? to encourage older people to be increasingly better versions of themselves? You know, now that I've just entered my second half of my, how did you phrase that? My second half second of half the century of second half. Now that I've now just plopped over the line on that, and I'm not always graceful with the accepting of what's happening, <laughs> I'll be very honest. Yeah, some of us you have know, gone through it before, <laughs> know how you feel. Yeah, it's kind of poopy. I understand what my dad was saying. But to use my dad as an example, he was an athlete. He was very active. And then, you know, it was a twisted ankle, so he couldn't do certain things. And then it was a bad knee, so he couldn't do other things. Then it was a bad shoulder, so he couldn't do more things. And I watched him, unfortunately, just throw in the towel and give in to that and go, ah, I can't do anything. And he ended up with diabetes, and he was overweight, and he had heart problems because he didn't adapt to the things that were thrown to him. There is always another choice. There's always something else we can be doing. And I'm actually dealing with a back injury right now. And between that and there's no gym, so there's no dance class for me, there's no trapeze for me, I put on a ton of weight and I don't like it. It's making me very unhappy. So I'm realizing, well, what can I still do? I can still stretch. I can do stuff online. I started doing Pilates. I've been walking. I actually started running, which I hate, but I'm kind of a enjoying it because it's one thing I can do right now to get me outside. So I'm doing the best that I can to adapt to these circumstances. I can't do this anymore because of my back. Well, what can I do? And I think that's one of the keys to survival, not just survival, but thriving and growing older is that adaptability. And if you can't do A, well, let's try B. We all have the ability to make a different choice, 
and to adapt to the circumstances that are around us. And I think that's really the key is to just make a different choice if the first one isn't available anymore. And I think it can be very exciting to be able to continue to, you said you're a lifelong learner. I think it can be very exciting in the various areas, whether it's relative to exercise, diet, learning new skills, stuff like that, that, you know, I think was Darwin that said our survival as a species really was related to our ability to adapt and change and so on. And there's now that many of us are living longer than people in the past, we should be excited about having the opportunity to do so. And so this was really tremendous advice. Hopefully, just like with all of your other advice, you'll get a lot of people who will listen to it and and make some changes because ultimately, while we've been talking about you, the hope is that many people will apply your principles to their lives. Which brings me to the sad note that we are about out of time. That went so fast. (laughs) Really did. And can't promise I'm not going to ask you back again. But what I'd really like to do is it sounds like people can interact with you in various ways. And I'm just wondering, number one, where you're located. And if somebody wants to be a private client, are there things that they can do in person or virtually? Some people may be in a position to book you for an event. How do people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way is kathygroover.com is my speaking site. You can get my books there. And if you want to work with me individually, and I do client sessions on Zoom, I can do both hypnosis and the coaching from very far away. Massage, not so much. No one wants to pay me for virtual massage. Kind of weird. And that site is kathygroover.coach. And it's Kathy with a K, Groover with a V as in Victor E-R. U-V-E-R. So yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to help out. I love working with clients. I love doing coaching. I love going into corporations and doing team building and corporate coaching work that, that way as well. And I'm all over social media as either Kathy Groover or Dr. Kathy Groover, Dr. Kathy Groover. So yeah, check it out. I'd love to work with you. Great. And with all your books out there, are you working? Can we be expecting another one in the future? You know, that was my goal during the stay at home was I'm going to finish the book that I was about halfway through. And you know what? I've not written another word of it. <laughs> so I had hoped we'd have another one and I decided to to play Pokemon instead. So, you know, maybe depending on how long we're sheltering, I might, I might pull it back out and work on it. Okay. So we may get one, but probably not too soon. <laughs> but the old ones are great. Go pick up an old one. They're yeah. fabulous. Stress yeah. and mindfulness and all that good stuff. Yeah. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. And they're, it's a real list of them. And you know, I think she's won more awards than she has books for, for writing the book. So uh, that's really fantastic. This has been an absolute delight, Kathy. I've learned so much from you, and I know that our audience has been very gracious in sharing your information. And like I said, you, you may be hearing from me again. I know you've got so much more to share. This has been Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. Our guest has been Dr. Kathy Groover. We hope that you will all listen, download, rate, review the podcast, tell other people about it. Visit our website, www.thementalhealthgym.com, and suggest other, other guests if you have somebody else in mind, in addition to any other information you may gather there. 
check on, uh, is it Amazon, Kathy, where they can find your books or do they go to your website? Yeah. If you go to kathygroover.com, all the books are there. They're on Amazon as well. It's easier to get them for me because then I think they're a little bit cheaper. I can sign them for you and all that good stuff. So yeah, kathygroover.com. Okay. Terrific. And for those of you out in the world who haven't read Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, hope you'll consider that and hope you'll be back for our next podcast.